Well, good weekday evening. Today is Thursday, September 28th, and you are tuned in to the weekly edition of the Parents of Prodigals podcast. I'm your host, Brother Alan Weir, for this block of time, usually from 7 to 8. Sometimes we go longer as the Spirit leads. Uh, sometimes we go shorter. We follow the Holy Spirit's leading. He's in charge of this podcast. He will determine how short we go, how long we go. And so we disobey and be obedient to the Spirit of God. Again, I'm your host, Brother Alan Weir, for this live podcast, this live programming, the Parents of Prodigals podcast, is a weekly program dedicated, committed, and yes, consecrated to the ministry of prayer, intercession, and supplication, and prayer warfare on behalf of those of us who are parents or guardians of unsaved, wayward, and backslidden sons and daughters. And every Thursday, we take time to encourage one another. This is an ironing, sharpening iron program through the sharing of scripture and insights. And of course, the most important thing of all, the period of time during our podcast when we come before the throne of grace and lift up the requests that we have for numerous young people, teenagers who are unsaved or backslidden, who have wandered from the faith. We pray for their deliverance and salvation. We pray against the strongholds which are binding them. And we lift up all these young people, all these sons and daughters who are either backslidden, have wandered away from the faith, or are not saved. You know, I personally believe that the rapture is imminent. It could take place tonight. It is the next event on the prophetic biblical calendar. And that event is when the Lord Jesus Christ returns to earth and snatches away all born-again believers, first those who have died in the faith. The Word of God says in the book of 1 Thessalonians that the dead in Christ will rise first, and then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together in the clouds in the air. This is actually going to happen. This is not a fairy tale. This is not something that is made up. It is actually going to happen. It is in the Word of God. When the Lord Jesus comes and takes away all born-again believers, following this event, there'll be a period of time known as the Great Tribulation, a seven-year period of time when God will pour out his judgments on a rebellious and evil world. It's going to be a terrible time, and we do not want our unsaved sons and daughters to get left behind. Many people who expect to get raptured will be left behind. Many people have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. Many of our prodigals think that they can get to heaven because their parents are saved, or perhaps they have an air of reverence. They believe in God, they may read their Bibles, and they'll come to church on occasion. But that does not mean that you are saved. That does not mean that your name is written in the book of life. 
repenting of your sins, acknowledging your need of a Savior, and fully and totally surrendering your life to Jesus Christ. You know, I said last week during my uh, podcast that I've never liked the phrase, inviting Christ into your life. And there's a reason for that. If I invite you into my home, you're just a guest. I still own the home, and I'm the authority in the home. If I invite you into my car, you're just a passenger. But the title of the car is still in my name, and I'm still the driver. No, Christ does not want to be a passenger in your life. He does not want to be a guest in your life. Now, if I hand over the deed of my house to you, then you are the owner of the house, and you are the one in authority. If I hand over the title of the car to you, then you are the owner of the car, and you end up in the driver's seat in full control. That is what the Lord Jesus wants. He does not want to be a passenger. He does not want to be a guest. He wants the deed to your life, the title to your life. He wants to be in the driver's seat. He wants to be the authority. And that is salvation. Admitting your need for a Savior, confessing your sins, surrendering your life to Jesus Christ, admitting you're a sinner, and letting Him be on the throne of your life. That's what we want for our prodigal sons and daughters. Many of our prodigal sons and daughters are in bondage. Most of them, if not all of them, are in bondage to drug addiction, alternative lifestyles, sexual perversion. Maybe they succumbed to peer pressure and have walked away from the church. Maybe they're pursuing pleasures, partying, career, whatever it may be. For whatever reason, some prodigals have had a bad experience in the church and are bitter and angry or church hurt. They want nothing to do with the church. Well, we don't want you to have anything to do with the church. We're not interested in having you do something with the church. It's Jesus Christ that we want you to have a relationship with, not the church. And so we pray. Sometimes we fast for our prodigal sons and daughters that their eyes are opened, their hardened hearts are softened, their minds are receptive. And that the word of God falls on good ground so that they receive the message of the gospel and get saved. You know, if it's not the rapture, the word of God says in the book of Hebrews that it is appointed once for men to die. And after this, the judgment. Death can come at any time to anyone, young or old, healthy or ill. We don't want our prodigal sons and daughters to enter a Christless eternity. We want their names written in the book of life. We witness to them. We pray for them. We invite them to come to church. Many times they're resistant to all these attempts, but we continue to pray for them. There are several people that I know, my dear brother Jamie. We had prayed and prayed for his beautiful daughter China to come to Christ, and she did, and she is a woman of God that the Lord is using. God answers prayer. I myself am the parent or was the parent of two prodigal children. 
and I prayed and prayed for them both. My son came to Christ three months ago following a personal crisis, and I led him to the Lord in the driveway of my home. And now I continue to pray for my daughter that she come to the foot of the cross in full of repentance. And that's what this podcast is all about. We invite your participation in this live podcast. If you want to share a scripture, if you want to share a testimony, if God is moving in the life of your prodigal, if you want to share an insight, if you have a prayer request that you want us to bring before the throne of grace, if you're on the Podbeam app, there is a phone icon that you can click on. and We can see that you're trying to get on the air and we will patch you in. Something you have to say or share may edify, strengthen, and encourage another listener. Many people are listening live at this podcast, and there are different localities, states, and countries, which I'll mention in a moment. And due to time constraints or time differences, they're not listening live, but they'll be downloading the podcast. That's all right, too. Again, I've said it before, the Lord, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God, can move as effectively and as powerfully in a downloaded podcast as he can live. All things are possible if you believe. At this time, I want to welcome different localities who are listening to this podcast. We welcome prodigal parents, listeners in New York, California, Colorado, Pennsylvania, North and South Carolina, Oklahoma, Massachusetts, Connecticut, Idaho, and Georgia, Alabama, Maryland, Tennessee, and Texas, Ohio, Utah, and Wisconsin, Virginia, West Virginia, New Jersey, and Montana, Illinois, Minnesota, Louisiana, New Hampshire, Oregon is listening in, Washington State, the great state of Rhode Island, Indiana, Arizona, Michigan, Iowa, New Mexico, Kentucky, Arkansas, and Mississippi. Internationally, we have listeners in Mexico, Canada, Australia, France, Uganda, and Brazil. We have listeners in the United Kingdom, Bosnia, Herzegovina, the Philippines, India, New Zealand, and most recently, the great nation of Germany. We welcome all of you who are listening to this podcast, the Parents of Prodigals podcast. Before we enter into a time of devotional, join me in a word of prayer, please. Father, I thank you. We thank you. Everyone who's listening to this podcast, whether it's live or it's going to be into a download, do praise and thank you, Lord God, for this time. And Lord, let this be a time of blessing, anointing, strengthening, encouragement, for everyone who's listening. Lord, we just pray that whatever is said here is a blessing to everyone who listens. And if there's a prodigal child who's listening to this podcast right now, maybe listening with their parent, we pray that your Holy Spirit touch their hearts and minds. And that something that is shared and said will fall on good ground and that they will come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. We thank you, we praise you, we worship you. Bless this time, Lord God. Put burning coals on my tongue so that they speak as an oracle, Lord God. 
And no matter what someone is going through right now, no matter what someone is feeling, maybe it's anxiety over a prodigal or depression or stress. Maybe there's a parent who's feeling down. There may be a prodigal who's in bondage right now who's listening. To anyone who's listening to this podcast who's in bondage to anything, let this be a time of deliverance. Now is the time. In Jesus' name we pray and we thank you, Lord God. Amen and amen. The title of tonight's devotional is Consecration, Our Testimony and Our Prodigals. Consecration, Our Testimony and Our Prodigals. And our text is taken from the book of Joshua, chapter 7, verses 1 through 13. Joshua chapter 7, verses 1 through 13. And I will give you a moment to find that scripture text in your Bibles. You know, the word consecrate or consecration occurs about 84 or 85 times in approximately 12 translations of the Bible. Many of the old hymns of the faith mention the word consecrate or consecration. Considering this, it appears that consecration is an important theme in God's Word. However, you would never know that by listening to much of the contemporary Christian music, or maybe reading many contemporary Christian books, or hearing today's sermons. Now think about it. When was the last time you heard a message that was devoted solely to the topic of consecration, or attended a Bible study discussing consecration? If one did not know better, it would be easy to assume that consecration appears to be an old-fashioned and outdated topic, which is not mentioned much in the contemporary church. However, the importance of being consecrated or pure in our relationship, our life, and our service to God is emphasized in numerous places in God's holy word. In Exodus chapter 19, verse 10, God spoke to Moses about the nation being consecrated. In Joshua chapter 7, verse 13, our text tonight, God tells Joshua the same thing, that the nation needed to be consecrated. In Psalm chapter 4, verse 3, it says that the Lord has set apart the godly man for himself. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 21, Paul says, Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, and ready for every good work. And finally, in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, Paul again says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. These are just a few scripture references regarding God's call to his people for personal consecration unto him. And you know, friends, if we are to win our prodigals for Christ, it is important that they see all of us live lives that are exemplary in consecration and holiness, free of compromise or any lack of integrity. Let's read our scripture text together now. Joshua chapter 7, verses 1 through 13. And I'll be reading this time from the New Living Translation of God's Holy Word. 
Joshua chapter 7, verses 1 through 13. But Israel violated the instructions about the things set apart for the Lord. A man named Achan had stolen some of the dedicated things, so the Lord was very angry with the Israelites. Achan was the son of Camri, a descendant of Zimri, son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah. Joshua sent some of his men from Jericho to spy out the town of Ai, east of Bethel, near Beth Aven. When they returned, they told Joshua, There's no need for all of us to go up there. It won't take more than two or three thousand men to attack Ai. Since there are so few of them, don't make all of our people struggle to go up there. So approximately three thousand warriors were sent. But they were soundly defeated. The men of Ai chased the Israelites from the town gate as far as the quarries, and they killed about 36 who were retreating down the slope. The Israelites were paralyzed with fear at this turn of events, and their courage melted away. Joshua and the elders of Israel tore their clothing in dismay, threw dust on their heads, and bowed face down to the ground before the ark of the Lord until evening. And then Joshua cried out, O sovereign Lord, why did you bring us across the Jordan River? If you are going to let the Amorites kill us, if only we had been content to stay on the other side. Lord, what can I say now that Israel has fled from its enemies? For when the Canaanites and all the other people living in the land hear about it, they will surround us and wipe our name off the face of the earth. And then what will happen to the honor of your great name? But the Lord said to Joshua, Get up! Why are you lying on your face like this? Israel has sinned and broken my covenant. They have stolen some of the things that I commanded must be set apart for me. And they have not only stolen them, but they have lied about it and hidden the things among their own belongings. That is why the Israelites are running from their enemies in defeat. For now, Israel itself has been set apart for destruction. I will not remain with you any longer unless you destroy the things among you that were set apart for destruction. Get up, command the people to purify themselves in preparation for tomorrow. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says, Hidden among you, O Israel, are things set apart for the Lord. You will never defeat your enemies until you remove these things from among you. May God bless the reading of his word and speak to our hearts right now. In this biblical account, Joshua was commanded by God to lead the nation of Israel in battle against the kingdom of Ai. And they had been gloriously victorious in the battle against Jericho. In that battle, God had commanded them to destroy certain prohibited objects from the city that he felt would defile the nation and compromise them. And he commanded them to do the same thing in the battle with Ai. God had warned the nation in Joshua chapter 6 that anyone taking of these prohibited objects or spoils made the camp of Israel liable for destruction, and bring trouble upon it. However, as we see in our text, compromise in obedience always leads to defeat. 
and a man by the name of Achan stole some of the objects that were taken from Jericho and then proceeded to hide them. Because of his disobedience, Israel was soundly defeated by Ai. In addition to the defeat, our text says that the Israelites were paralyzed with fear and their courage melted away. Interestingly enough, the name Achan means trouble. And that is exactly what his disobedience brought to the nation. And the name Ai means ruin. And that is exactly what his disobedience caused. Achan's sin was discovered. And God commanded that Achan, his entire family, who was probably in on it, and all his possessions should be destroyed. Now, a question that is usually asked is, why was Achan's sin dealt with so harshly? and the entire nation was affected. This question and the answer to it leads directly to the central idea of our devotional. We as parents of unsaved or backslidden sons and daughters must be obedient to the Lord without compromise, and our obedience must serve as an example to our prodigal children. The nation as a whole was in a covenant relationship with God. One man's sin affected the nation as a whole. We are fooling ourselves if we believe that our disobedience will only affect us. When our prodigal sons and daughters are aware of and see us being disobedient to the Lord, it will compromise our credibility and damage our testimony to them. In fact, when you read further down in Joshua 7, we can see that Achan was not confronted about his sin until the following day. It would appear that God gave him a night to consider his sin and come to God in repentance. It would also appear that he did not avail himself of this opportunity to plead for God's mercy and forgiveness. But he chose, rather, to continue to hide his sin and allow the nation to continue to suffer in defeat. Only when he was confronted the following day did he admit to what he had done. The nation would have no further success until the sin had been uncovered, confessed, repented of, and removed. Disobedience leads to defeat, defeat in our walk with the Lord, and defeat with regards to our testimony with our prodigal sons and daughters. The remedy for this is found in verse 13, when God says to the nation, sanctify or consecrate yourselves. God wants, expects, and commands complete obedience if we are to live lives pleasing to Him and set an example to our children. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 3, Paul states, We put no stumbling block in anyone's path so that our ministry will not be discredited. Philippians chapter 1, verse 27 says, Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. God wants us to live consecrated, sanctified lives. But what does that mean? What does it mean to be consecrated? Well, the Hebrew word for consecrated or sanctify is the word kadash. Kadash. On the surface, the definition means to be set apart, to be holy for divine use, to be holy in lifestyle and service to God, and to be undefiled with regards to being set apart. But a much closer look at this word 
and the Hebrew letters behind it give a much deeper meaning to what is involved in being consecrated. The word Kadash is composed of three Hebrew letters, Kuf, Dalet, and Shein. Kuf, Dalet, and Shein. First, the Hebrew letter Kuf is a picture of the back of the head and means to be behind, to follow, to be the last, or to be a follower. The second Hebrew letter in Kadash is Dalet, and this is a picture of a doorway, a pathway, something that leads to a place where decisions are made and change takes place. The third letter in Kadesh is the word Shein, Shein, and this is a picture of teeth and means to consume, to destroy, and to remove. It is the one letter in the Hebrew alphabet which signifies God, who is a consuming fire who purifies. When these three letters are combined, they make up the word threshing or to thresh. What is threshing? Well, it was the process of using a sifting instrument to toss useful grain up in the air so that the useless chaff or straw would be strained away and removed. The total picture given of consecration is that God wants us, his followers, kuf, to decide to move through the doorway from obedience to obedience, dalet, and that whatever sin, vice, or obstacle is in our lives, whatever is impeding us from being totally his, becoming consumed, destroyed, and removed, sheen. And as the wheat is separated from the chaff, our lives need to be sifted so that we are separated from the world, consecrated, sanctified, Kadash. And when the people consecrated themselves, as we see in the latter part of Joshua 7, from verse 30 on, that the Lord's covenant was renewed. After that, the nation of Israel went to battle and defeated the southern armies, Joshua chapter 10, the northern armies, Joshua chapter 11, and the kings west of the Jordan, Joshua chapter 12. Disobedience results in defeat, fear, and alienation from God. Obedience and consecration results in blessing and fellowship with Him. Only when our prodigal sons and daughters see us obedient and kadash, consecrated and sanctified, will they know that we mean business with God, and that our walk is genuine, and that our testimony will be effective as a ministry to win them for Christ. I pray that all of us as parents of prodigals are kadash, consecrated to the Lord, and that we need to sift our lives so that anything, anything that's discrediting our testimony in front of our prodigal sons and daughters be sifted away and consumed, sheen, so that we can be holy unto him. And that our prodigal sons and daughters will see our lives. And it will create a hunger and a thirst in them to have the same thing that we have. A personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I praise God for this insight that the Lord gave me. And I pray it was a blessing to you as well. 
Well, we've come to the halfway point of the Parents of Prodigals podcast. At this time, we are going to break into a musical interlude. We pay two beautiful pieces of music, which I pray will speak to your hearts and encourage you. In the second half of the Parents of Prodigals podcast, we will share more scripture, and then we will enter a time of intercession, prayer, and petition. We have numerous requests to bring before the Lord. And so enjoy this musical interlude. We will return after this short musical blessing with the second half of the Parents of Prodigals podcast. Is there something in your heart Between you and the Lord Are you drifting apart Not as close anymore There's nothing you can do That He will not forgive Bring it to the cross And let it die so you can live Nail it to the cross got you battered and bound, struggling for strength, do you long to lay it down? Don't take another step, just kneel where you stand, lay it at the cross, and take a hammer
We're back with the second half of the Parents of Prodigals podcast, and I pray that that musical number 
was a blessing to you and ministered to your hearts. Again, this is a live, a live program, and again, we welcome your participation. There is still time to get in your prayer request. You can tap on the Podbeam phone icon. I think it appears at the bottom of the screen, and you can type in your prayer request. We will see it on our screen, and we will bring it before the throne of grace as the time of prayer rapidly approaches perhaps maybe you want the request to be unspoken maybe you don't want to you want to remain anonymous you want the details to be anonymous we will respect your confidentiality and your privacy it isn't our intention to embarrass or put anyone on the spot the lord knows the details of your request and so if you have a prodigal son and daughter that you want us to lift up in prayer just type in what your request is and we will bring it before the throne of grace. God knows all things, and he knows all the details. Before we enter our time of prayer, I'm going to read some passages from Psalm 55. Psalm 55. And again, I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. I'm going to read from verse 16 on down, maybe three verses. But I will call on God, and the Lord will rescue me. Morning, noon, and night, I cry out in my distress, and the Lord hears my voice. Then I'm going to jump down to verse 22. Cast your burden on the Lord, and he will sustain you. You know, in the days of the New Testament, many people who would travel long distances would use certain animals that were geared for carrying heavy burdens camels or donkeys these are pack animals and you can load a lot of belongings on them and so in caravans or in long trips travelers would load their belongings on these pack animals which had the strength to travel long distances and carry the burden well, you know, in our scripture text, it mentions that the person was crying out, the psalmist was crying out to the Lord morning, noon, and night. Then it mentions further down in verse 22 that we're to cast our burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. In the language used in that text, it stands for, in the Hebrew, of providing the picture of throwing the full weight of whatever you're carrying onto the back of a pack animal so that the animal can carry the burden. They have the strength to carry what you can't. In that same way, our scripture text says that the Lord has the strength to carry the burden that you and I are carrying for our prodigals. If the burden is anxiety or worry or anxiousness, whatever it is, don't carry it. You may be praying morning, noon, and night for your unsaved son and daughter and continue to pray and fast for their deliverance and salvation. But don't allow the enemy to burden you with anxiety or worry or doubt that God is not going to answer your prayer or that your prodigal is too far gone and God can't handle it. Or maybe God is taking too long and it's not going to happen. 
Or maybe perhaps things are getting worse. You're praying and your prodigal is getting more resistant. And the enemy or the flesh are telling you to stop praying. It's making things worse. Leave your prodigal alone. Whatever burden you're carrying for your prodigal, cast the full weight of it onto the Lord. He has the strength and will carry it. You continue to pray. The Lord will carry your anxieties. No one who ever trusts in him will ever be disgraced. That's in the Psalms too. God will answer our prayers. God's going to answer the prayer for my daughter to be saved. He answered the prayer for my son. He answered Brother Jamie's prayer for China. And as we present the request that we're going to be bringing before the Lord, God is moving in the lives of some of the children that we've been praying for. And so let's go before the throne of grace right now. We're going to throw the full weight of our anxieties on the Lord. He will carry the burden. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Let's go before the throne of grace right now. Our first request is for two young men. We pray for them every week, both of them named Joshua. And both of these young men are battling addiction addiction issues and there may be some resistance to coming to the lord one of them had accepted christ but the enemy launched a counterattack. we need to pray for both these young men that are in chains to the stronghold of drug addiction as many young people are touch and agree with me for both these young men named joshua Heavenly Father, we bring both these young men before you, both of them named Joshua, the name of a warrior. But Lord, neither of these young men feels like a warrior right now. Right now, they've been the one, they are the ones that have been conquered. The scourge of drug addiction is in their lives, Lord God. And we pray for both these young men, Lord, that you give them a distaste for drugs, Lord God. Deliver them from the stronghold, the bondage, the chain of addiction to drugs, Lord God. Open up their eyes, wherever they are right now. You know where they are. You know what they're doing, who they're with, what they're up to, what they're thinking, Lord. Lord, do what's necessary. Break them down so you can lift them up, Lord God. Do what needs to be done so that they realize their need for you they turn from whatever it is they're doing confessing their need for you bring them both to the end of themselves so that they cry out to you lord jesus that they need a savior lord if there is any kind of resistance or hostility lord god break it down father if they feel that they're beyond hope if they feel that they feel like giving up lord renew their hearts lord god lord jesus you come that they may have life and have it abundantly deliver both joshua's from drug addiction save them both lord god bring people their way who will witness to them speak to them even if it's through a dream or a vision lord god we commit them both to your hands we rebuke the forces of darkness right now in the name of jesus the blood of christ we plead over both these young men 
for their deliverance and salvation. We don't know when it's going to happen, but it will happen. We trust you with them, Lord God. We trust both Joshua's. They're in your hands, Lord. Thank you, Father, for moving even now. In Jesus' name, we bring this request to you. Amen. Every week we pray for three young ladies, Gabby, Angela, and Valentina. And these three young ladies, of course, are not saved by what I know. And we pray for their deliverance and salvation. They were dealing with multiple issues. Maybe all three of them the same issues or different issues for different young lady. Depression, low self-esteem, maybe hostility to the gospel. Maybe they're closed. Their minds are closed to the things of God. They're busy living their lives doing what they want to do. They're on the throne of their lives. No time for the things of eternity. We're going to touch and agree that God opens up the eyes and the minds and hearts of these three young ladies. Pray with me for Gabby, Angela, and Valentina. Father, we touch and agree right now for these three young ladies, Lord God, young women that the enemy has in his camp. They may not think they're in bondage, but they are, Lord God. The God of this world has blinded their eyes, Lord Jesus. They think that they're free, but they're, they are not free, Lord God. As long as their souls and their eternity is doomed to damnation, they are not free, Lord God. They're in the bondage of sin and its penalty. We lift up Gabby, Angela, and Valentina to you, Lord God. We pray for their deliverance, Lord God. If it's depression, if it's low self-esteem, if it's hostility, if it's melancholia, whatever it is, Lord God, if it's an emotional issue, Lord God, a mental health issue, bring healing to the emotions, bring healing to the mind. Lord Jesus, you are the great physician. Touch them, all three of them, and bring healing to them, Lord Jesus. Open up their closed mind. If they're resistant, if they don't want to hear anything about the gospel, Lord, soften their hardened heart. You see where these three young ladies are. They don't know each other. They're in different states, most likely. Different counties, different cities or localities. Wherever they are, Lord God, distance is not an issue for you. The Holy Spirit of God, we pray, speak to each one of these three young ladies. Bring a person their way who'll witness to them. Let it be a song. Let it be a gospel track. Let it be a program. Maybe they're open to going to at least one church service. It could be a street meeting. Whatever it is, Lord God. Whatever vehicle, whatever method you choose, Lord Jesus. Maybe you need to bring all three of them to the end of themselves. Maybe through a trial. Whatever it takes, Lord. It's a scary thing to say, do whatever it takes, Lord. But you know what's best. You know what will bring someone to the foot of the cross. So we commit Gabby, Angela, and Valentina into your hands. And the enemy has them in chains. We rebuke, we rebuke, we rebuke in the name of Jesus. The forces of darkness that have these three young ladies in bondage. And we claim them. We plead the blood of Christ over their lives. However, it's done. Whenever it's done. Deliver and save Gabby, Angela, and Valentina, Lord God. We pray for their deliverance and salvation, and we thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord God.
Thank you. Even when we can't see it, you're working, like the song says. Even if we can't feel it, you're working. You're working in their lives, Lord God. We're waiting for the praise report, the testimony that these three young ladies have surrendered their lives to you. We commit them to your hands in Jesus' name. Amen. I mentioned earlier my dear brother Jamie, his daughter, and my dear sister India, their daughter China, was in bondage at one time, and the Lord set her free, and she became a woman of God, surrendering her life to Jesus Christ. But again, you know, ground that is gained by prayer is ground that will always be counterattacked by the enemy. And so we're going to lift China up in prayer that the Lord hold her tightly in his hands. We're going to stand firm, stekos, plant our feet firmly into the ground of intercession and petition for China and pray for her perseverance and strength in the Lord. Touch and agree with me for this wonderful woman of God, China. Father, we thank you and praise you, Lord, that you answered the prayer of these godly parents and that you brought China to the place where she saw her need for a savior and she surrendered her life to you. Now, Lord God, continue the work which you've began until you bring it to completion that you're appearing, Lord Jesus. Help China to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel. Strengthen her with all perseverance. Make her a prayer warrior. Give her a hunger and thirst to read your word. Use her for your honor and glory. Put a, a battalion of angels around her to protect her from any enemy onslaught, any satanic onslaught that'll try to lure her back into the world. If she ever feels like getting discouraged, Lord God, if she's discouraged in any way, shape, or form, replace that discouragement with encouragement. The enemy may whisper in her ear, don't be a fanatic, don't overdo it. You can compromise a little. We rebuke those thoughts in the name of Jesus. We rebuke the enemy. Keep China Kadesh, consecrated unto you, Lord God sanctified unto you, a sanctified, consecrated, Kadesh, woman of God. Protect her. Protect her, Lord. We commit her into your hands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. We're going to lift up in prayer a young adult, a young man. Well, I don't know how young he is. His name is Edgar. Edgar is the adult son of a dear brother and sister. Brother Frank and Sister Rose, and they have a burden for their son Edgar that he accept Christ as his Lord and Savior, as many uh, parents of prodigals do. Now, Edgar, of my understanding, knows the gospel. He knows about accepting Christ and getting saved, but that's just it. He has the knowledge. We need to pray that Edgar take that step and surrender his life to Jesus Christ. Touch and agree with me right now for the salvation of this man named Edgar. Lord, we just thank you and praise you for the godly parents of this man, Lord. Godly parents who are praying, who are burdened for his salvation. And we pray, yes, Lord, that you give Edgar 
No rest. Don't let him get a good night's sleep, content with his life the way it is. Bug him. Harass him spiritually. Speak to his heart. Speak to his mind, Lord God, through the power of your Holy Ghost. Nudge him in a dream. Speak to his heart during the day. Let him run across someone who's a Christian, maybe at his job, maybe in his apartment building, maybe in his neighborhood. Whatever needs to be done, Lord God, speak to him. He knows the gospel. But now, Lord, we need your word to fall on good ground. Sometimes the ground, the, the seed falls on ground and the enemy snatches it up. Or the cares and worries of this life, or the pleasures of this life. Drown out the word. We rebuke that in the name of Jesus in Edgar's life. And we pray that your word fall on good ground. At the gospel, penetrate Edgar's heart and mind. Time is short, Lord Jesus. We don't want Edgar to end in a Christless eternity or to get left behind. We want Edgar's name written in the book of life to spend eternity with you, Lord Jesus. And so we commit Edgar into your hands. We pray for his deliverance from whatever is holding him in bondage. He may love what he's doing and want to continue doing it. Give him a distaste for it. Let him see the dissatisfaction of living for himself. We pray for Edgar. We pray for him, Lord. We're burdened for him. Put a burden in his heart to visit his parents and come to church for a service. If not sole purpose, another church. But Lord, do whatever it takes. Do what needs to be done. So that Edgar turns to you, sees his need for you, and surrenders his life to you. We thank you, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. We had a prayer request that came in last week. We have some names to mention. A dad, a dad wants us to lift up his four children, adult children, in prayer. Now, two of these adult children are somewhat receptive to the gospel, and two of them are totally hostile to it by what I understand. The names of these young people, these young adults, I understand, are Joseph, Jessica, Joshua, and Joel. And we're going to lift these four young people up in prayer. Two are hostile and two are open, but perhaps most likely are not saved. Touch and agree with me. For Joseph, Jessica, Joshua, and Joel, Lord God, I just mentioned these four names. You see these four young people, where they are, what they're doing, who's influencing them, what they're in bondage to, what their issues are. Two of these young people, Lord God, are hostile to the gospel. They may not want to hear it. They don't want to listen to Christian music. They don't want to hear scripture. They don't have no interest in coming to church. They don't want to be bothered. Don't even start a conversation with them. I've heard that kind of thing before, my God. Lord, I pray those two that are hostile to the gospel soften their hardened hearts, Lord God. Pharaoh's heart was hardened. Lord, soften the hardened hearts of the two young people who don't want to hear the gospel. 
Again, Lord, it bears repeating, do what needs to be done to soften these hardened hearts. It may be a difficulty. It may be a situation where they have nowhere to turn, and they turn to you, Lord God. We pray that you bring these two young people who are hostile to the gospel to the place where they'll listen to the gospel and realize their need for a savior. And they'll come to the point where they turn to you, confess you as Lord, and surrender their lives to you, taking themselves off the throne of their own lives. We rebuke the enemy that hardens their hearts, whispers in their ear, you don't need Christ, you don't need the gospel, don't listen. Tell them to stop bothering you. We rebuke the enemy in the name of Jesus, and we plead the blood of Christ over those two hostile young people. And the two other young people who are somewhat receptive, Lord God, the kingdom of God may be near them, but they need to take the step. Lord, give them that nudge so that they cross the line. Lord Jesus, we pray for them. We pray that you deliver all four of these young people and that their names are written in the book of life. Make all four of these young people, Joseph, Jessica, Joshua, and Joel, you see where they are right now. Deliver and save, Lord God. Fill them with your Holy Spirit. Speak to them through your Holy Spirit, Lord God. We commit these four young people into your hands. It may happen instantaneously. It may be a process. Lord, you know what's best. We commit them into your hands, and we thank you and praise you. We're waiting. We know it's going to come, a praise report from the parents that you're moving. We commit them. We commit them to you, Lord God. You know all things, and you'll work all things out. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to lift up a young man by the name of Roshan, and this request came from the mom. Roshan was a Christian and now supposedly has doubts and doesn't believe in God. He became addicted to social media and alternative philosophies. The enemy has blinded Roshan's eyes, and the mom who presented this request says that we pray against a spirit of deception and spiritual blindness. This is a fight to the death, and so we're going to pray for Rashan right now. Let's touch and agree for this young man named Rashan. Father, Lord God, we lift Rashan up right now. We humbly come before you, Lord God, for Rashan. This is a fight to the death, Father. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And that's what the enemy wants to do with Rashan. He doesn't want to see his name written in the book of life. We want his name written in the book of life. You want his name written in the book of life, Lord God. The Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so we pray, Lord God, that you bring Rashan to the point of repentance. You touch his heart, Lord God. If he's having a hard time in believing in you, renew his faith in you, Lord God. Renew his faith in you. We come up against a spirit of deception, the enemy. Even in the book of Romans mentioned that the God of this world is blinding the eyes of the unsaved. And we pray that those blind spots be removed 
that you open up Rashan's eyes to the truth of the gospel. The enemy is the one that's deceiving him. Open up Rashan's eyes to this. He's being hoodwinked and deceived by the enemy. It's a trap. It's a trap so that he end up in a Christless grave. But we touch and agree for Rashan right now for his deliverance and salvation. Lord, we commit him into your hands, Father. The spirit of deception we cast away. Spiritual blindness, we pray, is removed. Open up his eyes. Open up his mind. Renew his faith. We come up against addiction to social media or any other addiction, Lord God. Make Rashan the man of God that we know you can turn him into, Father. We commit Rashan into your hands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We received a request about two or three days ago from a mom for her son, Matthew. Now, Matthew, as my understanding, according to the request, was incarcerated. He was in jail. And he was on suicide watch. Matthew was also getting involved with the occult. Now, I don't know if Matthew's still in jail right now, but you know something, there are worse bars than the physical ones. There are spiritual bars that hold us in bondage. We're going to pray for Matthew that things work out in his life. This may be the vehicle. This may be the way. God may be using this experience to save Matthew. Either way, we're going to touch and agree regarding all these matters. Let's pray for Matthew right now. Father, you see this request, Lord God. Matthew was in jail, and he was on suicide watch and depressed, and now he's dabbling into the occult. The enemy may be whispering in his ear to turn to, to, turn to him, that he can help him. We rebuke spiritual deception in Matthew's life. Lord God, if he's still in jail, let a chaplain witness to Matthew, maybe a cellmate who's a believer. Suddenly, Lord God, witness to Matthew. Use these circumstances. All things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. And this parent who's praying for Matthew is a believer. Let this situation work out for Matthew. Use it for your honor and glory so that Matthew comes to a saving knowledge of Christ. All things are within your control. And if it's possible, all things are possible. If we believe, we touch and agree with this mom. We believe you for Matthew's deliverance and salvation. The enemy, the enemy wants to see Matthew dead. He's the one that's whispering suicidal thoughts in Matthew's ear. We rebuke those thoughts right now in the name of Jesus. We pray for healing of the mind. Restore Matthew's mind. His life is precious to you, Lord Jesus. His soul is precious. Lord Jesus, reveal yourself to Matthew. Let him know that you love him and that you want him to surrender his life to you. We commit Matthew into your hands, Lord God. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Right now we're going to lift up a young man by the name of Curtis. And Curtis 
His mom is in Texas. She listens to our podcast. I believe, I think it's to a download. Now, Curtis was facing addiction issues. Curtis is also the father to a beautiful little girl. And Curtis apparently has a Christian background, but now Curtis is fighting doubts. He's also struggling with addiction. Now, we received an update from Curtis's mom. Curtis has entered treatment for his addiction. And when mom went to visit him, Curtis was saying that he was praying and turning to the Lord for help in dealing with his addiction. Mom went to visit him, and she says that Curtis does seem different. The Lord is moving in Curtis's life. Well, you know what? We're going to pray. Touch and agree for Curtis right now. That the Lord continue the work that has been begun. In this case, it appears to be a process. The Lord is working and moving. But you know what? The enemy is working and moving too. So we're going to pray for Curtis and pray against the works of the devil. Touch and agree with me for Curtis right now. Father, we thank you and we praise you for how you've been answering prayer in Curtis's life. Lord, you brought him to treatment. You spoke to his heart. And now he's in a treatment program, Lord God. Help him to work that treatment program, to cooperate with the people who are there. Give him strength. Give him resistance against temptation. When the flesh wants to take a drug, wants him to relapse, we pray, Lord God, that you strengthen Curtis's resolve. Holy Spirit, give Curtis strength. We pray for healing of the mind. When the mind says, you can't cope with this situation, or you can't cope with stress unless you get high. That's a lie from the enemy. We rebuke it in the name of Jesus. Lord God, heal his mind. The ravages of addiction can destroy the body. We pay for physical healing, mental healing, emotional healing. We touch and agree right now over the airwaves right now. We extend our hands for Curtis. Mental healing. Emotional healing, physical healing, spiritual healing, deliverance right now for Curtis in the name of Jesus. We rebuke the forces of darkness. Oh, we pray for Curtis right now. We touch and agree for Curtis's deliverance and salvation. Reach out right now where he is right now in that program where he is. He may be asleep. He may be awake. Lord, speak to him. Speak to him. Bless him. Touch him. Strengthen him. Deliver him. Save him, Lord God. Let him know that you love him, Lord Jesus. That he surrenders his life completely to you. Turn Curtis into the man of God that you can turn him into. We pray for a battalion of angels, an entire army of angels, to protect this young daughter, this child. Bless this child. Protect her from any harm. Victory is ours. Victory is Curtis's. Victory belongs to Curtis's mom. We touch and agree for Curtis's deliverance and salvation, and we praise God for the work that you've begun, Lord God, and we know you will continue to work. Continue to move, Lord God. Continue to move. We praise you and we thank you in Jesus' name.
Amen. We're going to touch and agree right now, my dear sister Thelma. You're listening right now, but we're going to pray right now for your son, Johnny. Every week we pray for Johnny. Johnny is in bondage to alcohol. Now my sister tells me, of course, that there has been some improvement, some change in Johnny. The Lord is moving. He's working. More needs to be done. Again, this is a fight to the death. There can only be one victor. And again, like I said before, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The enemy wants Johnny dead, spiritually and physically. Well, you know what? That's not going to happen. Dear sister, that's not going to happen. We're going to touch and agree right now for Johnny's deliverance and salvation. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and we praise you, Lord God, that you are moving in this young man's life, Father. And we pray that you continue to move, Lord God. It's a process right now. You're moving. Continue to speak to Johnny, Lord God. I don't know where he is right now. He could be home. He could be, God forbid, out in the street. We don't know who he's with or what he's doing. But, Lord, you know where he is. We don't have to worry. We don't have to fret. My dear sister, Thelma, doesn't have to worry or to fret. Cast the full burden of your anxiety on the Lord. He can carry the load. We are not going to worry about our prodigals. We're not going to worry about Johnny. We're going to commit him into your hands, Lord God. Speak to his heart. Speak to his mind. Let him see the emptiness of alcohol, the uselessness of drinking. It cannot be found in a bottle. Give Johnny absolutely no rest. When he lays down to go to sleep, Holy Spirit, speak to him. Don't let him get a good night's sleep. In the watches of the night, through the watches of the night, speak to Johnny, Lord God. Put a desire in his heart even to come to church, Lord. We lift him up in prayer. We're burdened for Johnny, but we're not worried about him. We pray for his deliverance. We pray for his salvation. We thank you. We praise you. We glorify you because we know you began the work, Lord. We may not see instantaneous results, but we know what's happening even now. Give Johnny a Damascus Road experience so that he can have an upper room experience. Deliver and save and fill with the Holy Ghost. We commit Johnny into your hands, Lord God, in Jesus' name. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Well, we've come to the end of this edition of the Parents of Prodigals podcast. You know, when we lift up these petitions in prayer, sometimes, yes, it can be exhausting. But you know what? That's what prayer is. It's warfare. It's warfare. It's persevering in prayer. Prayer is warfare. Prayer can be exhausting. It's not meant to be flowery or relaxing. When we come up against the wilds of the enemy, when we are engaged in prayer warfare, fervently praying for our prodigal sons and daughters, the enemy may launch a counterattack. Stop praying. It's no use. 
That's enough. Cut it out. It's not going to happen. These are lies from the enemy. We have to continue to wrestle in prayer. Remember in the Old Testament, mighty men of God would pray. One of them even wrestled with an angel and would not let him go unless the angel blessed him. That's what we're doing right now, wrestling in prayer, rebuking the forces of darkness. Prayer is not supposed to be some relaxing, flowery event. Prayer is petition, intercession, supplication. And yes, prayer is warfare, a fight to the death. No prisoners will be taken. Again, I've said it before and I'll say it again. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Satan is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And lions want to devour your prodigals. The enemy wants to devour your son and daughter. And so we need to pray, even fast, for their deliverance and salvation. We will continue to do that in this podcast throughout the week and the next week's podcast as well. We will be on the air again next Thursday, October 5th at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. But until that then, until that day comes, next Thursday, if you're the parent of an unsaved son and daughter and you live in New York, California or Colorado, Pennsylvania, Oklahoma or Idaho or Connecticut, if you're the parent of an unsaved son and daughter and you're burdened for their salvation, and you live in Maryland or Tennessee, Texas or Ohio, West Virginia, Montana, or New Jersey. If you're the parent or guardian of a son and daughter, and they're not saved or they're backslidden, and you live in New Hampshire, Oregon, Rhode Island, Indiana, or South Carolina, Arkansas or Mississippi, Iowa or New Mexico or Michigan. If you're the parent of an unsaved son and daughter, and they're in bondage. You want their names written in the book of life. You want them to get raptured. You want them to spend eternity with Christ. You want them to have life abundant. And you live in Mexico, Canada, Australia, Bosnia, Herzegovina. If you live in India, Germany or New Zealand, United Kingdom or Brazil, no matter where you are, in the next house, in the next street, in the next town, in the next city, in the next county, in the next state, in the next country, or overseas. If you are the parent or guardian of an unsaved or backslidden or wayward son and daughter, and the time is short and you want to see them saved, Continue in prayer and being watchful therein. And watch the road. Watch the road. Your prodigal will be on it. 
Until next Thursday, October 5th at 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time, this is Brother Alan Weir. On behalf of all of us, uh, parents of prodigals, wishing you a good night, and God bless you all. Good night.